to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. I will always be the first to try and, you know, uh, complete the operation. And if that means I have to bend the rules a little bit just to save a child, I'll be the first one to do it. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I get to speak to one of the most extraordinary people today. Adam Whittington is working tirelessly to save children from exploitation, trafficking, sexual abuse, organ harvesting, sacrifice, like things that we can only imagine happening in horror films. He is on the ground helping save children. Adam doesn't work for any government. He created his own company and does things his own way. It only takes a quick Google to find out Adam is a fascinating man who attracts a lot of attention for the work he does. Listen to him sharing his story in his own words and decide for yourself. It is a big one. It is very heavy, very dark, very triggering. So please be ready for this one. If you're suffering or triggered by the themes of this podcast, help services are listed in the show notes. Welcome, Adam, to The Deep. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I am, well, look, not just me, so many of our audience is desperate to hear from you. I have coined you when I'm just like describing you to someone in a sentence, the pedophile hunter. Is that an accurate description? Well, I've been called many things. Um, pedophile hunter is one of the good ones, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't go by any names. I, I just, you know, we're just helping kids in, in all different types, whether it's chasing pedophiles or traffickers or anything. So it's fine if you want to call me that. Okay. You are the CEO and founder of Project Rescue Children. This is is a huge organisation. You have lots of people in different countries on the ground trying to help save children. That's correct, yes. Can I ask, what is your history? What's your work background? Like what allows you to be credible to do this work? To be honest, in this line of work, you don't need any credentials. You don't need diplomas or you know, university degrees, it's it's really just common sense and, and having a passion to help children. I mean, that's what we're doing. Um, my background, I've only ever had two jobs and one is uh, I was in the Australian military as a soldier mm-hmm. and, then I, and then I joined the Metropolitan Police in London as a police officer. So there's always been that little bit of a background to, you know, want to get on the ground and actually physically help children. Plus, I've had the organisation called CARE, Child Abduction Recovery International, which, you know, we've been rescuing children from kidnappings around the world for like 22 years, I think it is now. Wow. So there is that background of, you know, initially helping kids from kidnappings, which is just expanded into child exploitation and pedophilia. Do you have children? I do. I have two boys. Um two almost teenage boys and I've just had a little baby girl who's four oh, months. Oh, congratulations. That's so Thanks. great. So back to, um, back to nappy changing. So been a, I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. I am right there with you. Um, so tell me, what was that moment in time for you? Because you obviously worked in law enforcement for quite some time, but what was the time that you were like, I have to do this work, I have to save kids? Well, there was actually, and it was a specific case that we dealt with, and I've, I've mentioned this before, 
Um, there was a, a kidnapping case where a child was kidnapped from the UK to Laos. Um, horrendous conditions. It started off as a normal parental kidnapping case, um, but it quickly turned into once we got on the ground and started investigating, uh, it was quickly going to turn into a you know child trafficking case because the child was going to be sold uh, on the black market. And so we went from a kidnapping, a normal kidnapping case that we've dealt with many, many times to a possible trafficking case. So we had to completely change our operation and um, our mindset. And it was basically just get in, extract the child out of there and get him back home to the UK. That was the, that was the pretty much the initial birth in my head of Project Rescue Children because I, you know, we've traveled around the world in some horrendous places and we always see children being trafficked. But because we were there for a different assignment, meaning trying to help a child from kidnapping, um, we couldn't get involved with the trafficking side of things. So that's when pretty much we decided, I think it was about 2015, uh, the Laos case happened. And from then, we pretty much started Project Rescue Children. Uh, and then 2017, we actually turned it into a registered charity, an Australian registered charity. This case, first of all, a lot of us are sitting in suburbia safe, safely in our homes, our children near us, a lot of us helicopter mums, right? Sure. So I should say helicopter parents, pardon me, are thinking, first of all, a kidnapping, right? That seems very rare to me, mm. right? Mm. Then that layer of trafficking, which we've seen in Hollywood movies, we sometimes hear with these big cases on TV, but they're usually kidnappings, but we don't know if they've been trafficked. It's all very blurry and grey and feels out of reach, right? You live in this world, you see it every day, all the time. How does this happen? This child that was this first child we're discussing, how was it taken? And then how the hell was it moved? And I know you would have discussed this, but for everyone that doesn't know you, how is it moved from a different country? Easy. I mean, it initially started by the mother kidnapping the child illegally. Obviously, there's, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of cases. Even Australia has a major problem with parental abductions. Now, you all know the, the you know, the most famous case of Lebanon, um, mm -hmm. which is where mm -hmm. most people know me from. Classic case of two children um, being held uh, illegally overseas. Um, so there's different there's different types. But parental child abduction is gigantic and it's growing all the time, but you just don't hear about it. Only specific cases that will hit the media. Um, so it is a big problem. It's just not being discussed enough. But just for those that don't understand what that means, parental child abduction, it is that meaning, so I have a child with my husband, we mm. then separate, I steal the children or I take yeah. the children without his um, permission, yep. permission, and I can flee to a country or whatever. Exactly. And then instead of raising my children healthily, I have a sinister plan. Yeah, well, there, there's many different scenarios, but that's pretty much it in a nutshell. A common thing too, which is the most popular way these kidnapping parents do it, is ask permission. So if you wanted to go overseas, your family is from wherever overseas, say the US as an example, mm. you want to take the kids to the US to see the grandparents. This is what mm. you tell your husband um, mm. who's, you know, you're having uh, marital problems. Maybe you're divorced already. There's, mm. you know, a lot of tension. So you're going to take the children. He gives you permission to take them, but you don't return them. So it's, it's abduction by retention. You're retaining the children overseas, which is illegal. Uh, most people don't know it, but it is a crime. Um, unfortunately, governments ignore it. They do absolutely fuck all for these parents uh, who are left without their kids. You know, I've dealt with cases. Parents are told that their kids are, are dead because the other parent, you know, hides them and, and authorities do not help them. Uh, the left behind parent, which would be you in that case mm -hmm. if your husband took. So it's there's so many different scenarios and it is a major, major problem, but it's very rarely spoken of. And it's very rarely where 
the parents get any assistance. And that's where they come to my other company, Carey, for help, you know, because they're left with nothing. They, they can't um, yeah. live. I mean, imagine just having your children taken I away can't. or just told you're never going to see them again. Um, yeah. and, and in a lot of these cases, the kids are being told by the kidnapping parent that your mother or father doesn't want anything to do with you, you know, of course. Died, you know, so it's, it's a major problem. So, so with this case, just going backwards, she, I don't know if it was a he or a she that abducted the child. The mother. The mother, the mother the abducts the child and then you are working for the father, I'm assuming, or you, this is just a police case. No, we were working for the father because basically the father had tried all legal options possible and it pretty mm-hmm. much destroyed him financially, mentally, mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. nobody would help. So uh, these are the type of cases when we get involved. We make sure all the legalities are there, um, yes. especially especially now after Lebanon. You know, we get told a lot of lies um, of course. by many people just so we can help them. And, and I well, quite people often, are very desperate. You're dealing with desperation here well, constantly. It is, it is absolutely. And um, but we also, you know, we weren't born yesterday, so we know a lot of parents, uh, especially mums, who will take their children for domestic violence situations of course. to flee domestic violence, and also a big one is sexual abuse. So we do as many checks as we possibly can. So and actually, we do more checks on our client before we say yes um, mm. than the actual kidnapper. We must be 100% sure. And, of course, everybody has skeletons in their closet. So there's been about, in about in the 22 years we've been doing those type of kidnapping cases, I think we've said no to four parents that we initially said yes to, only mm. after we've dug really deep and found that there was domestic violence and, you know, Sexual the mother assault. fled, all yeah. this sort of stuff. So then, you yeah. know, uh, we immediately stopped helping whoever's committed those crimes. This child that was taken by the mother. The mother, yeah. And then you said was trafficked. They were going to be trafficked because the the whole situation with that was um, nobody had seen the child for a a number of years and the father wouldn't, couldn't get into Laos because every time he went into into Laos, uh, he'd be arrested because the the kidnapper's brother was a police (gasps) officer. Wow. So the, and, okay, so this is an intricate it. case. Okay, this is an intricate yeah, case. It's, it's so, <laughs> so what we had to do, we had to first find the child. Um, so, And you can't just go into these villages uh, as, as a white person, right, and mm. start walking around and asking questions. It, it doesn't work. Um, you'll be thrown out straight away. So we had to come up with a plan, and that plan was for that case was to create a fake uh, documentary company and from Australia and basically convinced the village chief that we were there to do a documentary on how the village people lived. Um, And it took a few days for him to approve us. And we got approved, you know, we made up fake business cards and everything to to make it look more real. And he he allowed us to start filming um, the village. And that's when we found the child who was in absolutely horrendous conditions. And, you know, I'm talking like, a living zombie. Uh, he, he was four, I think, at the time, four or five at the time we found him. And his, he, he should, his teeth were absolutely shocking. He had no teeth. They were all rotten. He was skinny as he could get. It was just horrendous. And they weren't taking care of him. Um, so we were told after doing some, some rounds uh, within the village by some of the neighbours that because he stood out because he was from Manchester. So he was quite white uh, compared to all the other kids. Um, so the, the one of the neighbours was telling us that they were the, the, the people who had them, uh, the child, was looking to sell the child because it was causing too much problems. They had no money to take care of the child. So traffickers thrive on these situations. So this is where child trafficking comes in. Uh, poverty is, is the major cause. So then children are trafficked by all by all means. It's not just, you know, in the back of a truck. You know, they can walk across the borders uh, with kids. Um, it's not a problem at all. So then, then they're trafficked into other countries like Cambodia, Thailand, you know, Myanmar. And that's how it pretty much happens. So we had to make a decision. Uh, and actually, we didn't tell the father because 
uh, we knew if we had to wait too long, this child, uh, one, wouldn't have lasted because of his health, and, and two, we just didn't have a time period on when they were going to you know, sell the child. So that's when we came up with a very quick plan and we just told the father to meet us on the other side of the Mekong River in Thailand. And we didn't say why, we just said, just be there as soon as you can. And he did, and we pretty much went in and extracted the child um, out of the village. Um, How do you do that when he has, he's obviously valuable and there are his keepers? Yeah, Um, and that's where it gets tricky. Um, and that's when, and that's when you know I'm really passionate about helping kids, and I'll I'll do anything uh, to protect the child and to to get them out of danger. Um, so we've done some pretty crazy things in our life um, doing this job. And does uh, that mean physical being physical and strongholding, well, you, well, strong well, arming? You, and... it, it, well, this is the reality of it. Um, you know, we our main our main priority is the safety of the children every time we do those kidnapping cases, unfortunately, you're always going to get people who, even if you had all the court papers from both countries saying that that child must be returned, they never, ever physically say, okay, give us the court papers and you can take the child. It doesn't happen like that. It's just not reality. And so you have to sometimes come up with situations where you can pick up the child um, as safely and as easy as possible um, to get them, you know, out of there. And that's just the reality of the job. Um, Do you use guns? No, we never use weapons. We never use weapons whatsoever. Um, we try and, you know, I, I will always be the first to try and, you know, uh, complete the operation. And if that means I have to bend the rules a little bit just to save a child, I'll be the first one to do it. Um, what does a bend that, look like, Adam? A bend meaning like, you know, uh, as an example, we, we, we had to get in there across the river without going through immigration. So we had mm-hmm. to sort of, you know, avoid that process of being stamped into the country. So you, you really, illegally, you, you're entering the country. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's certain things that you have to do to, to get these kids home and, um, and how do you physically get him though? Like, do you break open a door? Like, do you have to punch some people out? Like, how does no, it? No, we, we don't use violence. So what we do, we always have the planning. Uh, op- the, the planning side of these operations is the most vital. Um, so mm. we have to plan it. And that means hours and hours of surveillance to try and find uh, what, what these you. kids are doing. What is their routine? When are they waking mm. up? When are they going to school? When are they going to play? Do they mm. play outside alone? Do they, all these type of things, it's just really complex. I understand. Um, so you can then so take you, them without them with as exactly. little commotion. And exactly. And that's what, so we never enter any house. Obviously that's illegal. So we don't kick in doors. We don't. You know, Understood. we don't do that. We try and make it um, as easy as possible for the kids. Um, so in that and also case, I guess that's dangerous as well, right? If you're going to harm someone and then they can harm the child to just stop it from happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, listen, we do these jobs unofficially with so many embassies around the world, but they won't put their name to it, right? So, And they won't do anything about it either. So no, they then... won't do any. If you can get them out of the country, they'll assist you, but they won't, they don't want to do any diplomatic crap within within the country that they're they're in it's right because they have work. really strict they have strict yeah. rules because they yeah. have to adhere to the the local laws right so but we always get it adam if you can get them out of this country we'll, we'll and that's what happened so this is i've got a lot to cover because i have been watching you for a really long time and you're hardcore right on there you have very little tolerance for bullshit um I wonder sometimes, because you're currently based in Russia, you're, you're an mm. Aussie but living in Russia, Yeah. are you ever nervous about the government or about anyone coming to attack you or to get rid of you because you're a liability? Oh, listen, um, I don't get nervous or, or worried about that crap. Um, you know, there's always some things that, you know, get brought up, um, whether it's the government or the mainstream media. Um, who want to 
you know, try and smear you, smear your name, smear the good work that you do for children. There's always that in the back of the mind, but it doesn't scare mm-hmm. me. It doesn't worry me because, you know, I will never stop doing what I'm doing for these kids because, you know, to be honest, there is literally nothing being done. I, I get so, and this is why we started PRC, Project Rescue Children, uh, to tackle trafficking and exploitation. Um, nobody does a fucking thing for these kids right and i wanted prc to be totally different than all these charities and there'll be some people out there saying don't say it adam don't say it i i know for a fact there's so many charities out there who have fucking hundreds of thousands of dollars millions of dollars and do Mm. stuff all for these kids and Mm. that was when i thought fuck this and i spoke to my guys i said let's do a charity that is really how a charity should be run and that is 100% of the funds go directly to the kids so none of us get a, a single dollar uh, we're all volunteers including myself obviously mainstream media if you don't go by their narratives and agendas um, you are a, a problem you you're know? a renegade and, and they, yeah yeah and and they will do their best to smear you and smear the good things that you do uh, by putting out propaganda and defamatory articles. I mean, that's just part of this job. I mean, they're not interested in the fact that we have rescued so many kids. We have rehabilitated so many kids from, you know, the most horrific crimes you can imagine. We have two rescue centres that house and take care of kids. We sponsor schools for education and we and cooked meals. All this stuff that we do, mainstream media is not interested in that. They'll try and pick mm. crap, you know, that, that maybe it's, you know, come from a troll or a comp- competitor or something. So we wanted PRC to be how a charity was originally started in the 1950s, right, where it was a proper charity. People donate. You use that donations to go and help the kids or whatever yes. cause you're doing. Now charities, and I'll say it loud and clear, charities now is not – they're not charities. They're businesses Okay, they're, they're multi-million dollar organizations who take the piss and drive around in company cars, BMWs and all this crap. And, and here we are, Project Rescue Journal, doing so much for kids in so many different countries on a shoestring budget. We, we have nothing. Is that what you're saying? Is that how you survive with de- donations? Absolutely, 100%. And, and, and if you follow our social media, what we've worked... Uh, recently in the last year or so is a really good thing where we start uh, a campaign because we want our followers to be involved. It's not a matter about you donate $50 to PRC and you don't know where it goes. We want to show our donors and supporters exactly where their money goes. So what we've decided to do, which is working so good, we'll come up with a campaign. Yeah, yeah. I've actually donated to um, yeah. the one you had at Christmas, which was funding the school's yeah, the lunch. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. feast. So and that's such a nice stuff. thing because you go, okay, obviously there's, it's a, it's a lot for you guys to do. You're doing all of these things. Um, and money is actually going to help the kids. I think that's the difference. Right. And what I want to say is we'll put this in the show notes because people are going to be very moved by yeah. your work and they can, find a physical yeah. way to help. I want to talk that's though, what we do. Yeah. about, because the biggest thing I think people want to know is about the pedophilia and yeah. the trafficking. I need you to take me to a place that you have been and seen yep. before with your yep. own eyes of a child yep. in a situation like this. I, I need to know a real life thing that has happened and I need our audience to know that these things are really happening Mm-hmm. Can you take us into an instance of potentially one of the worst things you've experienced or seen? Yeah, there's a lot. As an example, just now, and I, that's why I probably sound tired, we've been dealing with a, a 15-year-old girl in the Gambia who was raped, um, well, gang-raped actually by two Western pedophiles. Um, and she unfortunately fell pregnant and she she died <gasps> yesterday. She passed away yesterday giving birth. Uh, she's oh, 15. I'm so sorry. So that's the type of thing we deal with, you know, and um, oh, there's other cases where the dark web, you know, we do a lot on the dark web and um, 
we Let's try talk and about find, that. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, the dark web is a, is a really, really, you know, if you want to talk deep, it's deep there. And it's really a topic that it's really hard to explain to followers and, and viewers because you can't show them. Um, it, it's just not possible to put what we see on social media. Um, no, of course. One, boundaries. it's illegal. And two, yeah. we'll have our accounts closed. So we try and gather as much information and intelligence on that uh, and provide it to our, our police contacts. Um, so everything we find, we give to our local police contacts um, to try and help either trace the child or try and locate where this is happening. So, Adam, there's someone's job that has to watch the content. Yeah, we have a dark web team. So we have a team of, you know, they're basically IT experts and they're actually based in Russia. And, you know, we started with two, now we've got four. Um, and we, yeah, so their, their job is to, you know, just like police do. Oh, my gosh, sorry. How does one watch something like that, let alone mm. multiple things like that and stay yeah. sane? How? Say, say, yeah, I know. Listen, it's, it, well, what we do, we have a, we have a, um, a volunteer psychologist. So the guys and girls, whoever works for us, seeing these things uh, can talk anytime they want, you know, about this. We also talk about each case amongst ourselves and we also rotate the team. So they're not sitting there 24 seven, um, seven days a week, uh, the whole year looking at these things or, or trying right. to find them, you know, right. trying to find them is also disturbing because when you're trying to find these things, you also come across some very dis- other disturbing things as well. So can just can we go back because I I've heard in movies and you've mentioned the dark web. I have the internet. I don't even know how to find a dark web. Do you put into Google dark web? Like, no, how do you need special know? software? You need special you need special uh, platform which you can get off the internet. Uh, it's like okay. Google. It's like Google, but it's the. Yeah, I don't want really to say it because I don't. No, want no, don't, to don't it. say it. Don't. No, because no, don't say it. One of the biggest, one of the biggest problems is you get people curious, uh, and they no. they do find and they go in and then yeah. you, you you're opening your whole world up to hackers, and these hackers are pretty good, and they'll strip your identity, they'll get into your bank account. So I always tell people, you know, there's a lot of people say, oh, I want to have a look. I say, well, no, you best not to. Um, but even, no, even, even within the dark web, there's different layers. So you could go in as opening up Google, you have the, whatever you can find on Google. But if you dig deeper and deeper, the different layers, um, that's where the hardcore, um, trafficking, the worst of you know, the worst. child organ harvesting, you know, they're selling kids organs, um, all these selling kids, selling, you know, they're selling rape videos and all this stuff deep, deep in the dark web. So you've got to, you've got to know where to look as well. It's not just a matter of getting in there and you can see it all. It's not the case. Because I feel very naive because, and I'm sure lots of people listening are as well going, well, sure. Like how many people are really interested, you know, like who really wants to see a three month old being sexually assaulted? Who wants to Mm -hmm. see, um, snuff films or, yeah. or, or, or uh, tor- tor- kids being tortured or organ harvesting. Yeah. Like it just seems like really mm. like who's really into that? Maybe mm. like one or two freaks in the whole world, but you're saying, no, no, this is a business. It's massive. This is a real it's thing. Massive. It's massive. Um, as an example, I think the, it was last year or the year before the, the German authorities closed down or found a uh, pedophile website um, and they it consisted of, I think it was 400,000 members, paid members, <gasps> just on one, this is just on one website, right, within the dark web. Do you know how many websites there are? It's, it's limitless. Not only is there websites, you have forums, okay? So you have forums where there's only pedophiles and the only way you can get in as a member of these forums uh, is to provide the host of the forum or the website uh, with deep well, pictures or videos of you in the video or picture raping or sexually abusing a child. It's like your ticket in. You have to prove you're a pedophile. So that's not a real thing. 
Yeah, it's absolutely real. Unfortunately, have um, you seen that? Yeah, this is this is what happens. Uh, and and even the police, the AFP, and and stuff have put out these things. Uh, even I think it was the German police who put it out as well. This is how you access. So it's difficult sometimes for authorities to gain access to these places because obviously they can't they can't break the rules, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the laws to gain access. So. We have some, as I said, my my IT team, the dark web team, whatever you want to call them, um, they're simply the best of the best I've ever known and um, call them hackers or whatever you want to call them, but they can create things that look so real. Um, so we have to, and what we do when we get into these places, we gather intelligence for the authorities. So we're like a like a spy to the authorities. But if we see stuff... Uh, we log everything. Everything is logged, um, recorded, logged, and passed to, like I said, the authority, law enforcement. But there's also a lot of cases that we pick up, and and uh, we gather intelligence. So, as an example, they will discuss the pedophiles within the forums. We'll discuss just like a travel agency. There's even like pedophile travel agencies where they set up. Okay, let's all go to the Gambia you know, in March 2022, on these dates, staying at this hotel who's pro-pedophilia um, and we can organise, you know, gangbangs and, and orgies with young, young kids in those places. And this is what happens. So we use that information to set up undercover operations with law enforcement um, because we, we will travel there and we will, you know... Um, Find them. Exactly. So it's like the dark web for us is an information gathering tool. Uh, we know exactly what the pedophiles are doing um, and where and, and specifically where they're going uh, because they target different countries, um, different places, different times of the year uh, as their, you know, rape tourism, as we call it. They go to these places to rape kids and it's a massive, massive problem. I mean, look at the Gambia where we've just opened up uh, our, our registered charity within the Gambia solely to deal with western pedophiles uh it's it's gigantic it's absolutely out of this planet and then they walk around freely with these kids right do so, they yeah absolutely um you, you just have to look at the gambia go there and anybody knows that you can see white old dirty men walking around with young girls um very young girls not just you know uh under 18 young young girls and and nobody blinks an eye so this is why we've just gone in there and created the rescue center, which is officially open now. And and the welcoming we have been received by the Gambian law enforcement uh, and immigration, uh, even the tourism board in Gambia is so great. They they just Adam, we do everything to help this. We're so sick of Western men coming and raping our kids, and but they just don't have the expertise. They don't have the training. They don't have the equipment. They don't have the knowledge of anything of, of how we're doing things. So this is okay. why we partner with law enforcement in these situations. Lots of questions. So um, are these men that are going on rape tours wealthy people? or Because I can't imagine everything. Everything. any time from, from every class of society. You know, middle class, rich, um, fathers, uncles, brothers, doctors, lawyers, you know, plumbers. Anyone and everyone. Anyone and everything. And, you know, that's the scary thing about pedophilia. Is we think they look one way. We, we think they look, and you put that up on your socials a lot. You've got young, handsome, young, handsome pedophiles and young, beautiful women pedophiles. And I think we all have this gross version in our minds of what a pedophile looks like but it is literally anyone and anything and that's where people have to you know change the old thinking of you know what was a what was put out there maybe by mainstream media or it was just an old fat gray man who goes to cambodia and just Mm. it's not it's really not and we quite often especially me on my social media i really try and drill in every couple of weeks that that topic pedophiles look like everybody you know there's and women as well you know people of course. are shocked but there's like there's so many women a lot teachers who are having you know sexual whatever with a student and it's so big 
Um, so we have to sort of, you know, raise awareness and educate people all over again. And that's what's lacking in places like Australia is a lot of people are just not, not educated on reality. Because, you know, we're talking about these Anglo-Saxon men going to these other countries, some of them developing countries, some of them third world countries. Where are the families or the parents of the children that are being walked around the local neighbourhood with these old men? Listen, there's so many different situations. You have obviously extreme poverty in many of these countries that are the main target for pedophiles. Um, And people also have to understand, which I drill into all my followers, is pedophiles are masters of manipulation. They'll manipulate you as the parent before the kid. So in in many situations, um, you know, and Australia has a massive, massive problem with online grooming pedophiles, and that's where it starts there. But in these other countries, they'll, they'll simply go and tell these poor, poor parents, you know, oh, listen, I'll, I'll take care of your kids' education. But see, education is big in these African countries, as an example, but mm-hmm. they don't have money to take their kids to school. So when you have a dirtbag, pedophile comes along, a white man, and in these African countries, people see a white person and automatically think money. Mm-hmm. So... So this person, the pedophile, will go up and just offer the, you know, maybe they'll just chat to him for a day or so, and then they'll just say, oh, you know, I, I like your kids. How about I, you know, pay for their whole year education, you know, if when I Let come them hang to out the Gambia. Yeah. I, yeah, on the condition when I come to the Gambia for, you know, a month or two, um, they can hang around, I can play with them and take them to play. Of course, I hear you. Okay, it, sound, I hear it sounds you. crazy to Western people. It sounds crazy, but this is how they do it. And when, well, and this is what's happening. And, you know, but in Australia, the obviously pedophiles are, are predominantly uh, online. And, mm. um, you know, there, there's so many of them. I really wish people could really wake this up. This is the and, thing because you're, you are immersed in this world, right? Like yeah. you're living it, breathing it. How do mm. you, so have you seen, have you personally seen horrific content? Yeah. Listen, we get on, we, yeah, we get on. I, I'm, I'm very active. I'm, I can't sit in an office and do nothing. Right. So I have to be involved in a lot of the things. And that is me even pretending to be a young child online with a fake profile we do this stuff and literally minutes minutes on nearly every app every gaming console whether it's fortnite ps4 xbox whatever you want to know if it's connected to the internet with a chat it could be instagram you know um or whatsapp telegram it doesn't matter Mm, mm, mm. we could be on there for minutes and be connected to a pedophile what i'm saying is how are you You've got a four-month-old daughter. How are you okay? How are you not traumatized? How are you not deeply ruined? You know. Well, it, initially, like, initially, it does hit you really hard. Of course, it does, especially as a parent. You know, as a father, and you know, all you want to do is protect your kids yeah. from this shit. But what I've learned, and, and a lot of my guys, we've learned to block out because if we get emotionally attached to somebody or a case we can't do our job properly um mm. so we've learned to especially me i'll block all that emotion out and um the more i see the more i want to help these kids this is the thing it's not the opposite way the more i see i don't i, I i've had enough i can't deal with this anymore uh, i don't know it's just something i've i've grown with um you have to be mentally strong in this in this line of work have you had an opportunity to sit with pedophiles, not hunting them, but sit with them and yep. try and extract some kind of sense or meaning out of it? Not not one-on-one chat, um, but I've come face-to-face with many of them and, you know, whether that's after an operation where we've just busted them, you know, trying to do something or, you know, sell the kids um many cases you know there'll be a little bit of a not conversation but a few words said and and 
they're all the same. They don't care. Uh, they think they're untouchable. Um, there's just no... So no remorse, uh, no nothing, fear. Nothing. The no... only remorse these monsters have, the only remorse, and I'll say it 100,000 times, is them being caught. That's it. That's the only remorse they have. They don't care about what they've done to these kids. And every single case and, and pedophile we've known or dealt with always, always reoffends. You know, these bullshit psychologists who probably have never sat with a pedophile before, but they'll put out stuff that, yes, you can rehabilitate, you can change the wiring of their brain and all this nonsense. Bullshit. It's absolute nonsense. They can't be rehabilitated. Um, it's I'm, I'm actually in the process now. Um, I'm just waiting, hopefully, on approval um, to get into the Gambian prison. There's a notorious prison there one of the worst in the world. You've got to see it. Um, but we're hoping that I can sit there with a person who's raped uh, a child. And I want to, I'm trying, what we're trying to do is, is raise awareness to our followers and, and the public that, you know, these people are sick um, and that you can't fix them. I don't care what anybody says. I'll debate that all day. Can I ask some more questions on that then? Do you think that any, antipsychotic medications or anything like that could help no, castration zero. could help well castration you know there's there's a lot of uh there are some countries who do um that type of stuff there's nothing proven that it works nothing so you believe there these people cannot be rehabilitated or reformed i know they can't based on my experience and dealing with these monsters they cannot and there's no part of you that feels sorry for them that they were potentially absolutely not absolutely they were not. potentially uh, sexually assaulted as children or no, come from that a doesn't history work. of abuse that, or that doesn't work either. Um, you know, I've I've sat there with people saying, but what if that child was sexually abused? And, and well, that's even more of a reason for them not to do it uh, because they've been through that. So I, I flip it around. Um, it doesn't work on me anymore because I'm, I'm sick of dealing with these monsters. And, and a few of them that we've dealt with face-to-face -face after we've rescued a child, it's okay. I'll just play the victim card in court. You know, I'll just say I was sexually abused. Okay. I'm not saying that I believe this. I'm just asking the question that I'm sure lots of people are interested in hearing. And, th and that's a lot of the things that some people do say that, but they were sexually abused, so that gives them the right. No, to... no, 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 no. No one has a right yeah. to ever do that. But that's, I guess that's it. Yeah. Some people think that trauma creates trauma. Mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that's excusable, but some people think, mm -hmm. okay, so they're not born evil. They yeah. are made evil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of different opinions. Um, you know, and, I, and I, I'm sure in many different other situations trauma you know can lead to to trauma but i believe and i'm only saying these things based on my experience um everybody has their different opinions um but if you ask me they cannot be rehabilitated um and that's just how they are there's two options for them to keep our kids safe in in all communities they must be put away for pri in prison for the rest of their life with no parole or the death sentence, which some people still you, do. I was going to ask you, so that is what you believe should happen to them. They cannot be saved. 100%. So they should be locked up, throw away the key, or killed. Yep, absolutely. The death sentence, you know, what these kids, what, these kids go through a life of hell. You know, they get the death sentence by mm -hmm. getting sexually abused or raped by absolutely. these monsters. Absolutely. Where governments like the Australian governments, who's one of the worst in protecting pedophiles, just keep putting them back in the community. They keep reoffending. You know, there was the monster a few years ago who, who a little girl in the caravan went to chase a cat or something and went into his caravan and he ended up, you know, sexually raping her and, and abusing her and put her in a bag. How many days do you think he got in prison? Zero. Uh, why? Zero. Because he How? got they they assessed him as a mental, you know, uh, suspect, oh. and he got he got put into a mental institution for a few years. So you have a seven year old girl who was raped and murdered. She's gone, and this pedophile's free in the community. The Australian people really need to wake up. The politicians are so bad, so bad. This 
is where I think people are going to get really anxious, right? Because one of the things they want to know is why can't parents see where pedophiles reside? Like why isn't that public knowledge? Why is there more protection on the perpetrator than the victim? Good questions. Firstly, there must be. There must be to protect children. Uh, there must be a public sex offenders register. Uh, there has to be. There's one in a couple of countries. Uh, parents must be able to know where these people are if they're living next door. So we don't have street. that in this country. No, you don't. You don't. The only sex offenders register is the police police um, system. It's private. There was okay. in two thousand. Yeah, in two thousand nineteen, the federal government approved. And they actually budgeted, this is the funny thing about the Australian government, they actually approved $7.8 million in the federal budget to build a public sex offenders register. Where is it? Where it's is not, it? It's not, there's nothing. Where is the public sex offenders register? And then you have Muppets like the politicians who have the different parties, whether, you know, I don't even get into politics, but you'll have one party who put these type of motions forward, but you get the other party who rejects it all just because they want to act like school kids when they don't want to come together to protect kids. Um, You'll have people throwing, but it's against human rights. The pedophile, everybody will know where they live and and it's not fair on the pedophile. Hang on a minute. Fuck that. What about the kids? What about the kids? You know, and you've got to prioritise kids' safety over scumbags like this. After you work with these children, you extract them from these horrific conditions, right? And I can't even imagine the immense trauma these children have been through. What is the process of trying to help them not just reintegrate into society again, but to heal, to trust, to love, to be hugged. Like mm-hmm. what is that process? Do you have any part of that or do you just place them back in the arms of their parents and you're like... No, 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 absolutely not. And this is why we are so keen to get more rescue centres. Um, firstly, we never, never put the kids back into the situation they were in. Um, and this is why we've started the rescue centre in Kenya and also now in the Gambia. They must be a safe place for these kids to go. Us rescuing kids is the easy part. Rehabilitating them and and giving them support and care they need after, which can take, you know, so many years, even just to start the process for them to open up and, and start trusting somebody again. Most of our effort goes into the rehabilitation of the kids. And this is what most people don't see what we do. Um, so it's a long process. Each kid is dealt with differently depending on the situation, depending on the child themselves. Um, so we have teams of local people, obviously, um, to help with the rehabilitation, you know, medical psychology, also education, you know, to try and get them back on track and give them, uh, a chance at life, um, Mm. So it's really complex and it takes a long time for this to happen. But that's what we focus most of our work on. Um, as I said, rescuing from from these douchebags is the easy part. Having them arrested is the easy part. We forget about, once they're arrested, we forget about that because we can't go through the judicial system, which is just complete nonsense. Um, so we then concentrate on the rehabilitation and guidance you know we have a we have a a child trafficking and exploitation program in the village in kenya in west kenya and there's 105 kids now it started with nine and all these kids have been raped or sexually abused or exploited or trafficked or or fallen pregnant to a local uh there's so many things we could talk about but Mm. we got involved with that because we were hearing stories that the local girls in the villages who were extremely poor were getting raped and sexually abused by fucking local monsters. You know why? Because they had no period pads. So, so the, these, so the period, like the girls can't afford to buy period pads. 
So they manipulate the situation, these local pedophiles. This is in this is in their village in remote Kenya. So there's no foreign pedophiles, they're local pedophiles. So they'll come along and, and basically pay every month for the girls to, to for periods. Have sanitary to have sanitary yeah, wear basic human in exchange rights in exchange necessity. for that. Exactly. Exactly. So what we did, I was like, so I was so fucking furious. Um, and I just immediately had to do something. So we quickly came up with, okay, let's send a thousand dollars to our volunteers there, start this program, which was nine kids. There was an old lady who, who's, she still does, gives us her entire property each weekend to run programs, education, teach the kids about sexual intercourse, um, exploitation, everything. Since we started that initial $1,000, once it landed and we bought all the girls uh, as an emergency thing, period pads for four months, all the girls, not one child has been sexually abused, raped or impregnated. (sighs) So this is what happens. People can help. In a really useful way, in a really simple way. Yeah, yeah and this is yeah. just a prime example. Well, we, own, we don't know what we don't know, Adam, right? And you having this conversation with us now is like like you're blowing the top off. You know that there's so many avenues yeah. and so much exploitation. And, it's really and, bad. and you've mentioned organ harvesting, which is like a horror movie thing. That, you know, people like that doesn't happen. No one is stealing a kid and cutting out its heart and liver and selling it. And you're like, no, no. Come with me for you're a telling, You're telling me that's a real thing. Well, the, one of the biggest uh, what people put out as a myth is child sacrifices. And that comes in part in part with yes. child organ harvesting because kids are getting sacrificed to have their organs removed. So it's a, it's a combination, right? So kids are kidnapped, trafficked uh, for the sole purpose to be sacrificed, whether it's a witchcraft. So they, oh, it's a, such a massive topic. And I really, we've just partnered with a, a charity, local charity in Uganda. And Uganda is one of the worst in the world for child sacrifices. You know, kids are being sacrificed for their blood because a witch doctor tells a real... Uh, you know, a businessman or whatever that they're going to get wealthy, um, you know, drinking a kid's blood. It's happening all the time and, and and mainstream media will not touch the bloody stuff. Um, so this is where we're trying to show that this is real stuff. So we've just partnered with the local charity in Uganda and I want to get on the ground and I want to document like a, a mini documentary and show mm-hmm. the world that this is this is what's happening to kids. You know, um, you posted a very graphic image that I had seen maybe a couple of years prior of a inmate at a prison. You'll know the one I'm talking about who had been arrested and sentenced for pedophilia mm. and the inmates had, had gotten to him. Yeah. And I believe had multiple stab wounds, but also also he was um, brutally sodomized constantly. And then once stitched up, Mm re-sodomized. What's your intent when you post things like that? Raising awareness. Uh, There needs to be awareness that this is happening. Obviously, in some parts of the world, as in Western countries, Australia, UK, the, the, the pedophiles are protected. Uh, even when they go into prison, they're segregated. There's no justice. There's no... Um, Is that justice for you, seeing that man? No, it's, no, it's not justice. But it, it, what, what the purpose of it was to show that, you know, in some countries, pedophiles are, are protected within the system, even after being convicted. In some countries, I believe that was in South America, that, that specific post. Um, this is what's happening. Um, do I condone it? No, it's a difficult one. But um, I, I definitely don't feel sorry for him because I, I, I know dealing with so many kids, what he's put that child through. Um, mm. And that child will go for the rest of their life with the scars. On that point of the child and the impact, and we've discussed the extraction and, and the mm. rehabilitation and healing of that child, You've been doing this a long time. I think you said 22 years. 
Have you had contact with anyone from decades ago that you have saved and have you spoken to them about their quality of life now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a very good working relationship and, and more relationship with many of the kids we've rescued. Um, and it's an ongoing thing. So it's not like, okay, we're going to support you for six months and then, you know, you're on, you're your, on way. your own. Yeah. yeah. No, we don't do that. And that's why, that's why Project Rescue Children is really different. I want it to be, you know, really hands on and just support wherever we can. Um, and whether that's providing period pads for these girls um, until they're old enough or, or in a position to get their own, then we're going to continue to do that. So we, we have a very good relationship. You know, I, I get messages from a lot of the teenage kids, you know, thanking and whatever, Merry Christmas and stuff like this. So, mm. yeah, it's important we keep that relationship going so we can keep that support, which is what a lot of these kids need guidance, yeah, as well. Do they tell you, though, like, does life feel joyful or yeah, can they be happy in the world? Do they, you know, like, yeah, you know what I'm trying to say? Do they? Yeah, it is what it is. You know, you've got to, if, if you, if you come to these kids or we start helping these and you're a negative person and you, you, you can't give them any hope of whether that's pursuing their dreams or, or whatever, of course, they're going to pick that up and, and, but if you if you're positive with them, this is what I found with all the kids I've, I've dealt with or helped or, or met. Even if it comes, they come from the most horrible. Like it's the girl that there's a girl that um, was gang raped by Western pedophiles in Mombasa, Kenya. We've just paid for her. And she, her dream was to always be a plumber, but she could obviously she had no money. And and after the traumatized, uh, the horrific whatever they did to her. She fell pregnant uh, as a result. So she was impregnated again by pedophiles. They were mm. from Italy, a, a group of Italian pedophiles. So she gave birth, uh, what was it, 14, 15 or something when she was. So her life had pretty much, as far as she knew, was finished. When I met her and her, her child, last year it was, um, I was like, fuck this. This kid's got so many dreams and stuff that it's been destroyed by mm. this little group of pedophiles. So then that was it. I think it was a week after we raised, I think it was like $2,000, $3,000 for three years of her university or um, university, but plumbing course education. And yeah. she's, she's, she's through a half, well, halfway through her first year now and she's loving life. So, so hang on. She has to raise the baby. Yeah, as well as go through her plumbing Education. She's a mother yeah. to to She's pedophiles who raped her. Yeah. Wow. So, you, but you have a you have a horrific story. But now, you know, obviously that trauma is never go. You've got to give them hope. You've yeah, got to give I hear hope you. I, but it's just so fucked up. It's just so fucked up, Adam. There's no like. It's just not. But so right. many people can help, and 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 this is what frustrates me: where these big charities get millions, and they do stuff all. And we do things within a week to change a kid's life. You know, um, it's so much more can be done. It's just not being done. Um, so there's there's so many different situations with this child trafficking and exploitation. And unfortunately, the world really needs to open up. Whether you live in Australia uh, or America or the UK, you know, a lot of people think, well, it's not happening here. Well, we'll just ignore that shit. Um, who cares? It's an African kid, whatever. It's just the mentality of some, some of the society is really wrong as well. Um, because I can tell you in Australia, pedophiles are thriving. You know, the, the, the assistant police commissioner of the AFP, Australian Federal Police, has basically said it's a tsunami. They're talking about online pedophiles within Australia. I mean, how, how can it get any bigger? I mean, it's a tsunami. I mean, our last question on the deep, Adam, everyone gets this one, is who are you when no one's watching? Who am I? I'm just a father, you know, who, who wants to make an environment or, you know, a place for all kids to be safe. You know, kids need to, to grow up as kids, um, free from any harm or monsters. 
you know, and, and I want my children to grow up in a, in a, in a world like that, you know, mm. um, where they don't have to worry about, you know, people or, um, being exploited or, or whatever, sexually abused. So, um, I'm, I'm a father, you know, I'm very passionate about being a father. I'm very hands on, um, you know, that's me. Thank you so much for being with us today. Honestly, you're welcome. Your candidness and your openness and the work you do, I think I speak for everyone when I say thank you. You're welcome. Not a problem. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting. It's quirky. It's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes, and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.